0: Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your
1: stay. Alright, everyone. Welcome back to a very special episode of our show, The Command Zone. My name is Jimmy Wong with my co-host. I'm Josh Lee Kwai. Yeah, Yes, strap in. This is going to be an awesome one. And we have a very special guest. Introduce yourself.
2: I am Gavin Verhey, game and experience designer for Wizards of the Coast. Specifically
1: on a little game called Magic the Gathering. Ooh. So exciting. That's really sweet. I love everything you've done so far. Specifically, I'm looking at these two boosters of Conspiracy on the table, which you worked on, right? Yeah, I was very excited to have the chance to work on Conspiracy. It was crazy
2: because a lot of Magic sets, you know what you're getting into. It's like, okay, we're going to release a big set this year. It's just going to happen every fall. That never gets canceled. Right. But with Conspiracy, it was like, here's this crazy new idea. Let's see if it even works. And we played it, and people were dubious at first, but just as more people played it, it garnered more and more excitement. Like, everyone became a believer by playing the product, you know? Right, yeah. Like
3: internally, you mean? Yeah, internally. Uh just
2: like, I didn't, when I heard about it, I didn't even think that was for me necessarily. Like, I'm Uh I'm a competitive player, Mm -hmm. you know, multiplayer draft isn't exactly what I think of when I'm having a good time. I don't (laughs) even even play that much multiplayer. But... I played one draft and was instantly hooked. So, when I got to be on the development team, I was really excited about it. So, what does that exactly entail being on the development team? Right. So, there's kind of two key processes when it comes to making cards. Um, And these are broken into several subcategories, but more or less, there's the design phase and the development phase. In the design phase, the designers are working on figuring out the mechanics for the set, Mm -hmm. figuring Mm -hmm. out Um, You know what the play is going to be like what the themes they want to represent are that kind of stuff They they make kind of the shape if they're the artist They're just like splattering paint on the wall and seeing what works well Mm -hmm. and then when it gets over to development they figure out how to fine-tune it, how to make sure all the draft archetypes work well, make sure no two cards are individually too powerful. Mm. They make up some new cards, too, of course, to fill gaps that they need. But, you know, a lot of the cards are made in design, or a lot of the core beliefs are made in design, then development kind of takes the paint they threw on the easel and rearranges it into a gorgeous Mona Lisa, hopefully. Oh, right.
1: So they're just basically going through and making sure that nothing, like, wrecks each other. Like, right. Some th- well, I mean, are-
3: is the development team often made up of people who are, like, used to, like, breaking environments, like, uh, like... Don't you want people to come in and be like, well, like, this is a problem because if I do, I, I see these connections that make it unbalanced.
2: Yeah. One of the most rewarding things you can do internally when you're playtesting is get a deck that you played rendered useless because you kill kill all the cards in it because they're uh-huh. too powerful. Uh-huh. And so you're often rewarded by building a sweet deck and not be able to play that deck anymore. Right, right. Uh, but that's so what yeah. you're trying to do. You're right.
3: trying to find those things because ultimately it isn't the goal like that it comes out and there's not just one strategy that you have to play, right? I mean, it's...
2: Right. We want to make sure, like, you know, draft formats that have been bad in the past are often ones where you can only really play, like, one deck or, like, uh-huh. you know, one color right. is too strong or whatever, right? And that's no fun. So we do a lot of things in development to kind of make that work. Like with Conspiracy and most modern sets, we um, try and make a deck archetype for every two color pairing. Mm-hmm. Like an M15, you'll be like, oh, blue, red's the artifact deck. Right, for example, right, right, right. White, green convoke or whatever. Right, totally. So we try and work that in. And make sure that there's tons of stuff for you to do no matter what color combination you are and we're not always hundred percent on every
1: two color archetype but you know we try our best to make all them work out yeah i think that's the one thing i found the most because josh and i have obsessively drafted this now drafted this now and it's like there's conspiracy always conspiracy is awesome i've said it before go yeah. out and play it there's always something fun to do even if you're not in the colors you like you're like oh i got screwed out of this but then you're like you can look through the pack and be like well i can actually do this whole different style of play and it's like in the effect how i talk at the table and stuff too well, I mean, something that you said
3: earlier, which is like people were unsure about it and then they were sort of converted and like, I mean, one of the great things about this set is just what it says about Wizards, about their uh, desire and their, uh, they don't have an aversion to sort of taking risks. I mean, this is kind of a big risk. And I think that yeah. like, like, yeah, that's an admirable thing in a company. I mean, if you're playing a game and and you see somebody, you know, the company that makes that game release a product like this, it says to you like, hey, this company is trying stuff, you know, that's that's really exciting from a player's perspective because it's it's not like they're just going to keep doing giving me the same stuff over and over like they're going to try some stuff they're going to stick their necks out there and you know maybe it won't always work but I want them to do that because then they're going to come up with stuff like this where it's like this is like nothing we've ever seen I mean it literally is like how often can you say that like whatever game you've been playing for years and years like how often can you say like this is like nothing we've ever seen like literally it's stuff that you would joke about with your buddies at the kitchen (laughs) table some of it you know and they're like nope yeah let's try that let's put that in the game I mean I guess there's no question there. Sorry, Gavin. I'm just singing your
1: praises.
3: (laughs) Well, no. I think it's actually kind of a cool testament to how much spaghetti we threw at the wall before a piece sticks. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Because conspiracy
2: turned out really well. But for every conspiracy that comes out, there are tons of products we try out that don't make it through. And so we're, we're always trying to innovate and come up with brand new stuff. And only some amount of it actually ends up making it through. And you know, only really a small section. Like, for example, when we're designing a magic set... We'll make thousands of cards. Like the set only ends up with, you know, a couple hundred or whatever, right, right. right? But we try out so many cards and so many mechanics and so much is left that I think what makes us such a strong company when it comes to this game that we've iterated on over twenty plus years, yeah, is that we just try everything out. We're willing to, you know, spend a year or longer just designing a set mm-hmm. and figuring out all the intricacies that go into it.
1: Yeah. That kind of reminds me of like how some, you know, it's like you can play some, I feel like Call of Duty's gotten to that point where it, it's, you can see the iterations happening. It's sort of like when you watch House or whatever and every episode it's like, okay, someone's going to get sick. And Everybody's going to faint in the first five minutes. Yeah, and then you're like, all right, by like the 60% mark, we're going to have a revelation. <laughs> and it's like, if if every set was released in Magic like that, it, no one would, you know, I would just be so bored. But it's great because you have so much variety. And I think Conspiracy is a great example of that. All the stuff you guys announced at this year's panel at Comic-Con. We should mention, by the way, so we are at Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. You
3: might be listening to this a week later. But, yeah, we're here at Comic-Con. Gavin yeah. was on the panel. Uh
1: At Comic-Con announcing
3: all the information for the new uh, From the Vault Annihilation, from Commander 2014, Cons of Tarkir. We're going to go over a lot of that stuff. Um, But we want to start with, because we've been talking about conspiracy for the last couple episodes, and Gavin is on the team that brought us conspiracy. We thought we'd start with a -a uh, crack-a-pack of conspiracy. So uh, you want to do the honors, Gavin? Oh, oh, I would love to. There's nothing... It makes me happier than opening a booster pack.
1: Unless it's a booster pack of conspiracy not being drafted. It is true. (laughs) We were talking about this (laughs) earlier. Opening a conspiracy booster pack and not drafting
2: it I think, like, a Heresy. small ch- puppy somewhere is about to get <laughs> kicked. But, Whoa. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: because that puppy's never played Magic before. But That's it's really okay, sad.
2: because every time you draft a conspiracy booster pack, a puppy gets its wings or something. So, um, a lot of flying puppies out there just because of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I predict that, that, you know, you guys being the good Magic players and citizens that you are will repackage these booster packs and draft oh, them away. Yes, there wins. you go. Right. Put them cube. into a cube or got something. Keep right. Up. right, yeah, make, make it use. Okay, so here we go. Open right, it what up. do we got? All right, I'll just go through the cards oh, yeah. in order. So we have Stave Off. A little, a little, combat, little combat trick. trick yeah. yep. Turn the Tide, which is a, a card. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a Johnny Sun Striker. Uh, okay. two lifelink. Okay. Okay. two lifelink. Nothing that's- I've seen so far that's like, okay, usually when I'm going through a booster pack, what I look for are things that are really going to pull me in a direction. You know, right. order, like that right. first pick, I want something strong that's going to take me somewhere. And none of these are quite doing it yet. But then we get to card four, which is Vent Sentinel. Ooh. And um, I'm not sure, you know, just come to keep in your mind, but I love the Vent Sentinel deck. It's great in conspiracy because you can be a little defensive. You have all these yeah. defenders. No one wants to attack you, and then you just systematically take people out. I right. have such
3: fine memories of this card from Rise of the Eldrazi, and I gotta be honest, like I've I really have wanted to make it work, and I just haven't been able to really. We
1: we saw our friend Sam did. He he drafted Defender, Cinderwalls, Vent Sentinels, and uh, the the Chariot. Warmonger's Chariot. So he's oh, attacking with so yeah. a five five like on turn like three. three, but <laughs> yeah. he still didn't win. It's it's yeah. I I want it. I want it to work bad, but
3: I haven't been able to make it work. I, I've won a fair amount of games with it right, but right. it, 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 uh, it is it, great just being like and you die you need those uh, you flying gargoyle walls uh, yeah if you don't have those I think it, the deck is uh, it's not going to win
2: it, it's also it's hard because people can see it coming yeah they see it coming they're like uh oh he's the vent sentinel guy we're not going to let this happen to us again. <laughs> yeah. like, it works. it's a great trick if your opponent doesn't know what's going on the problem is the text is literally written on the magic card Yeah, so it gets tricky <laughs>
3: uh, char tooth cougar 4-4 eh, four, four yeah, fire it's breathing
2: fine. Eh. it's a bit expensive oh it has its mountain cycling, mountain cycling right? yeah yeah, yeah. Echoing Courage, which is, you know... In the token deck, it's actually strong. Yeah, yeah it's totally definitely. fine card. Still, nothing is, like, no. you know, striking out so, yeah. to me. Vent Sentinel is, like, the first thing I see that's like, okay, this yeah. is the nice next thing I want to take. Grudge
1: Keeper. Okay. That's... That's, that's I mean, for the Black-white blo- voting. Yep, yeah, if you want to go black-white voting, Playing a few of those can definitely be nice. I'd still probably take the really heavy
2: Vent Sentinel commitment over the Grudge Keeper. Currently. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Just because, especially, you want to take a card that, like, if you take Vent Sentinel, you can maybe just cut off Defenders and just get all of them that come Right. right? Yeah, exactly. And
3: no one's even going to know what's happening. Does that mean you think the Vent Sentinel deck is stronger than the vote deck? Um, I do think
2: the Vent Sentinel deck is... Well, it's got better synergies than the vote deck. When the vote Mm -hmm. deck comes together, you're playing with, like, a bunch of reasonable cards, and that works out. But and it's going to be good no, no matter like how much voting stuff you get or if the defender deck right. is way higher variance like right. if you get it all it's awesome and if you you only have one bent sentinel it's a little sketchy Yeah, right.
3: a little sketchy oh <laughs> my gosh just just a tad. just
1: a tiny bit sketchy
3: um, i mean i would normally pass event sentinel here and hope it wheels if i even if i thought i wanted to go into that because then i would know like okay i'm going to get all the defenders from here on out
2: when a big question and this is something you don't think about in a normal draft right mm-hmm. here
3: is how many players are at your table. Yeah, which is a. Right. Yeah, we talked about that in our set review, which is like, that's a really important part of the equation.
2: Because if there are four players, it means you're way more likely to get it back, although it also means that there's less to be open in the draft, too. Yeah. So you have less you can see. So it's harder to go down this kind of like linear defender strategy if are just less boosters, because you're just going to see less of the cards you want to see.
3: It also means that you're going to have to kill four players with your event sentinels <laughs> instead yeah. of three, or. Yeah, you, you just got to get the others to kill themselves. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, <and> yeah exactly. <laughs> Uh, we got Rap and Vigor, which is
2: uh, it's, it's a fine you know, it's a fine like the combat 23rd pack. card. Uh, right? yeah, 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 If you like combat, this is going good for you. <laughs> okay, uh, then we get I've to never ass- played
3: a Rap and Vigor. Ooh. Then we get to Ooh. Assassinate,
2: which is nice. That's a solid okay. card. R- removal spells are awesome, of course. In yep. r- draft, you always want your removal spells highly. I take them a little lower in Conspiracy, though, yeah. just because yeah, four so players. Much stuff. Yeah. It's
3: not card uh, parity like it normally is. It's actually card disadvantage. Also, that one's Sorcery Speed, and normally in multiplayer, like you don't know who's coming at you. It's not like in one on one where I know that guy's gonna attack me, so I wanna yeah. kill this creature. A lot of times you're like, I don't wanna kill that creature unless it comes at me and then I wanna kill it,
1: but with sorcery
3: speed stuff, just not as
1: good. Yeah, it's it's hard to to make that one work as well yeah. as you want it to, sometimes it's still a strong card. I mean, it still kills something. What it's like you know that you're only going to have a few removal options across the board, you know, in every set. So when you're drafting it, you need to know, like, well, there's a good chance I'm not going to see any more removal in black, except for like w- this card or this card. It's like so you're like, Ugh, I want to, but sorcery speed. This doesn't always work for a lot of reasons, but I like to believe that if I just pass it, other
2: people will kill other people's creatures, and yeah. it will <laughs> all be okay. It's Like ah, you just kill each other's creatures, I'll just then <laughs> sentinel you at the end of your turn. Yeah,
3: okay. Uh, stasis cell. Just, okay,
2: that's okay. You that's fine.
3: It's probably better in this than it's ever been because you can move it around, so yeah. I can like keep your guy tapped. Then I, when your turn's over, keep the next guy's thing tapped. I mean, you need yeah. a lot of mana. And,
1: but well, the thing is, I mean, the mana cost isn't too bad because it's a multiplayer game. You're going to get more mana just out in general. But you still need eight mana to do yeah, it twice. It I is, mean, it's, it's, it's kind of what what we like
2: to call this is kind of like a more rattlesnake card, but mm-hmm. it's also like if you attack me, this is going on your creature, right? So don't do that, right? right and right, people are right. like, okay, all right, I want to attack you. I, li- I like it, you know. I like being able to have that kind of like yep, yep. weight to throw around. Because no one wants their creature to go away. So yeah. a lot of games of conspiracy, if you're if you're playing with a politic-heavy crowd, can just be one based on like getting p- other people to attack
1: each other a lot. Yeah, it's one of those Sunzu cards. Yeah, it's very easy to get people to attack each other. I found, by the way, it's just you just need to convince them that you're not the target, right? Power and, of suggestion, and you can help. Yeah, power of <laughs> suggestion. Just a just a simple like push in the right direction, and people will want to whatever you want them to do let's see so we've got fires of yabamaya okay fires yeah of it's two colors i is always tough to i mean that is a card that could first push picking you in one a two-color card
3: is always risky
1: uh and looking within the pack if it is going to come back to you you could do fires of Yavimaya and events and all to pop out and just i find haste to be not and. as important
3: in multiplayer too because how yeah. often are you really like dropping a creature and attacking it with immediately it's just not Multiplayer's is not generally that aggressive, so this is maybe to me less powerful than it normally be.
2: Right, it's a good way to get a target on your head too, right? If you yeah. start
3: slamming down creatures and attacking a player, well, a you're
2: gonna be wide open because you're attacking. Yeah, you're know, out. Yeah, b I mean. There's- He's be like, well, you're you're attacking me, so we're not gonna attack you. <laughs>
3: also, if you're at like four or five life and somebody's got that out, then they have the chance to just kill you on their turn without you even being able to do anything. You almost have to k- try and kill them, like yeah. you know. Whereas normally, if they don't have that out, you you don't have to go at them. But if you don't have a flyer, let's say, and they've got fires, you have a out, and you're at four, you, you know, gotta, and, and they're low life, you have to try and kill them mm-hmm, because yeah. they just can just drop something and kill you. Yeah. So it's sort of a sitting out there and putting a target on you, as I said.
2: And generally, I don't like to take two-color cards first unless they're really, really strong yeah, yeah. just because it commits you right away. And I think it's really important to not be beholden to your first pick, to be able to switch out of it if you want to. Yeah. And this isn't, you know, really strong enough, though, I think, to warrant picking first. But it's great to keep in mind. Like, it's like, oh, if, you're, if this is a four-person table, I could pass this. Maybe you will get it back fifth. Maybe you want to be red-green if the good right, cards right, come.
3: Right, right, right. There it is. Uh, Wakestone Gargoyle ah, is the that's next that's card. that's the one we're or talking about. Birds. See, here, this is where I'd take that card and hope the Vent Sentinel wield. Right. Uh, unless I was in a huge... Huge, unless it's a full draft of 8, but yeah. if it was 4 or 5 I think I would, that's... Right, and a 4 player draft you could take either one and hope the other one comes back It's actually, I and think... The, it's a decent body for itself. The It's is actually good by itself. But the way multiplayer works is, like, even if I have a 3-4 flyer without Defender, I you often play it like I would that card, which is, I, I play it, I don't do anything with it until I've got a strong board presence and I can safely attack with it, and then I attack with it later. Like, how often do you really drop your 3-4 flyer and then just start
1: wailing away with it?
3: Yeah. You know, a
1: lot of times you just use it on defense at first. Well, and if you're playing you should be able to activate the turn that it can attack if you really want to. But really Oh, you I mean, definitely can, yeah. It's it's nice. I mean, like the fact that it does three in the air for anyone attacking him, like if he's defending, that's that's pretty solid. I don't know if there's anything uh, below rare that naturally gets through it in the air
3: in this set. Is there? Is there a, there's not a four four flyer? There's uh-huh. that shoreline ranger, it's a three four. Crook uh, Claw, Claw transmitter is 3-1. Yeah, Custody Squire is a 3-3. I don't think there's anything that just naturally gets through it in the air. It's definitely hard to deal
2: Below with. The lower is, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but, you know, Crook like, Claw transmitter could technically, like, you attack with this. Switch you, it around. Switch Flash it, around. it. yeah.
3: yeah. Um, I think this is actually really it interesting. It trades. I mean, that's, that's not so bad. Right, right,
2: right. Yeah. You kill off their thing they were holding yeah. up. yeah. This is actually really interesting because you could argue, I think, for Vent Sentinel or the Gargoyle here mm-hmm. because the thing about Vent Sentinel is, like, it signals an entire deck. Right. Where Wake Stone and Gargoyle is just a strong card. So if you pick the Sentinel first, you're more likely to set yourself up for the Defender deck. Or if you pick the Gargoyle first, you're more likely to just have like a good card. A good white card, That yeah. maybe someone takes the Sentinel and then you get cut off of Defenders. Who knows? But, uh, but the
3: Sentinel to me feels like almost picking a two-color card in that you're committing to a certain deck, right? Yeah. Whereas yeah. the Gargoyle feels like taking a monocolor card that you could then move into those two colors you want later.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, I think I think out of those two, I would take the Gargoyle over yeah. the Sentinel also. But I think it's an interesting discussion. Okay, next up, we've got Morecut va- uh, Banshee. Oh, oh, yes, good that's a card. great one. Ooh, this, this pack a really turned around
3: better. here in the Uncommons. Yeah. yeah.
2: The, the first, the Commons, were pretty lackluster, but uh, the Uncommons got a few spicy ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, killing off a thing it's pretty easy to get Morbid to trigger, you yep. know. And even in conspiracy, it's easy to be like, "Look, I'm just going to attack you with my one-one block, so we can kill off his dude, right?" Right. Like, right. you know, you work. That's together. what I say. Yeah,
3: th- I think Morbid is actually more powerful in this set because you can work with another player yeah. to get Who- that Morbid trigger, so that you can so kill easy.
2: something. So easy. Somebody's like,
1: "Yeah, sure, I'll block." No, like, mm-hmm. you're not going to do combat trigger, Like, no, I just want him to die. Easy.
3: Right. And, and no
2: one gets sad. When it's like, can I attack you and you can kill off my creature? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That sounds <laughs> <That's> great. <fine. laughs> I'm in. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. Uh, at rare, we've got a pretty Spicer one. I see. This is my favorite card in the set because it always destroys when it hits the (laughs) table. It does draw all the aggro, but if you start instant speeding spirits out every turn, it's like, eh, I'll take it. It's Custody Soulbinders for those who (laughs) can't see it. Yeah, I just started talking about it.
2: Custody Soulbinders, yeah. I don't know what... I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I can see it. So I don't know why anybody would not be able to <laughs> see it. <Right. this. laughs> I, I mean, it right I don't, me.
3: Have we ever seen it come out as less
1: than like a 12-12? I no, mean, that's the minimum never. it is. It's always a 12-12. I flashed it once with the uh, the uh, Point stag. Oh, Glimpoint. and it came back even bigger. Yeah, you'd made oh, like yeah. two or three.
3: He made like two or three spirits and then flashed it, and then it was even bigger than it was before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: All these guys. I mean, there's a cycle of these five cards, and they're all crazy powerful. And yeah. the thing is, though, it's conspiracy. Like they come out with a million counters, but they're all things you can deal with. There's enough yeah. removal spells going around. Mm-hmm. They put a target on your head, right? right? Vampire Hex Mage gets rid of all of them. Right. But they are still super powerful. And this is probably, and th- it's also a non committal card, right? It's even yeah. less committal than the Wake Stone Gargoyle. Yep. So this is definitely what I'm leaning toward right now. Yeah. Good rare to open. And then finally, we've got our con- conspiracy, which is the powerful
3: Whisper Gear Snake. <laughs> <laughs> Whisper Gear Snake. It's it is powerfully annoying, is what it is.
1: It's powerful when somebody else opens up your booster and then yeah. taunts you while they're looking at it. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's some high level drafting technique. That every time someone sees it, it's like, I just don't want to do the, the brain, have the brain power. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't I'm want to think take, of the best way to use this. I'm, I'm going to take the one that has the biggest numbers on it. <laughs> I'm just going to draft it face down.
3: I <laughs> think about it. Yeah. Okay, so what are we looking here? I mean, to me, it's assassinate, the Wakestone, Gargoyle, gargoyle the Morkrut, and I mean, the Custode Soul Soulbinders.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Normally, I feel like you want to pick most conspiracies really high in Conspiracy yeah. Draft. The conspiracies are so strong. They just ensure that, like, they pump up your other cards. You're usually. Makes you, your deck
1: so much more effective.
2: Yeah, you're usually going to have 23 good cards to play anyway, so why not have some cards off to the side doing something? Mm-hmm. But Whisper Gear Sneak is not exactly the epitome yeah. of conspiracies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff in this pack,
3: but I'm going to have to go with the Soulbinders. It's like, yeah. a crazy yeah. strong
2: it's, rare. It's so strong. Um,
3: it's one of the strongest rares. Coming I, think, out, I think it. That whole cycle is strong, but that card is is head and shoulders above. Only the red one has a chance to be equal to that one, to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and in this set, like, 1-1 flyers are... Really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. The really interesting
2: question to me, and this is kind of like a higher level draft thing, is let's say you take the Binder, so you just take that out of the equation. What is the next person going to take? Yeah, if they're yeah, going right. to take
3: more
1: Crut or they're going to take Gargoyle,
3: probably.
2: The thing is,
1: if they take that Gargoyle, it's like, I would love, if I'm going into white because of the Soulbinder, it's like the Gargoyle is a great card.
3: The only thing I would say on that end is if you take more Crut, which I think is probably the second pick then assassinates there, and then you might they might go into black. So you've got the problem with your top two picks, so you might as well just take the best one, right? Right,
2: yeah. and often I'm actually not that concerned about the person to my left going into the same color as me mm-hmm. right away because, A, especially first back, first back, I can just cut them out of it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, okay, you take the Wakestone Gargoyle, great, I'm just going to take four more white cards in a row. And, and what are you going to do, stick yeah. around? Yeah. Right, because um, the person to the right always has the advantage, right? Mm-hmm. The trick is you want to listen to your neighbor on the right. So, you know... Maybe they take that, but then you cut them off and they listen. Or they don't, and they just have a horrible deck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which policies. happens. But it's good, really good to keep in mind, especially for you know, when second pack rolls around. And also just like, look at the cards and see what you think is going to get taken. Like If we yeah. identified the strongest cards as like, Sentinel, Assassinate, Wakestone Gargoyle, Banshee. Warcut Banshee, yeah. and then you get your pack back and one of them is left... Maybe it's like, okay, which one is left? Which one didn't somebody take? If Maybe two are left, right? Like Maybe Event Sentinel and Awakestone Gargoyle are still there.
3: You know, nobody's in white. Nobody's, nobody's in. in white. No one wants to even and think no about the Defenders. defenders. Yeah. Right, and
2: then you're like, okay, snap up that Gargoyle and try and get the Sentinel on the next to go around. Yeah. And then you know, kind of start coalescing an archetype. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So This is a pretty interesting pack, though. I mean, the Soulbinders, I think, is the right pick. But there's a what lot of really interesting choices. What would you say if choices.
3: the Soulbinders wasn't in there? If it was a Junk Rare, what would you say is the next pick? Uh, It's really...
2: It's actually a pretty hard pack
3: if you yeah. take away that soul diners. Yeah. I think it's quite interesting.
2: I think I would lean toward the gargoyle, really, but I couldn't blame anyone for taking the banshee. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think they're both great choices. I just, um, I mean, I love having
3: something that is both evasive yeah. and also fits into an archetype really well right away. Um, I think I would take the gargoyle actually too, because yeah. the flyers just scare me in this set. It's so often that you look around and like somebody's just well how often they're you in total for, control of the game because only because they can hit people that nobody else yeah. can like they, like there's always gonna be one or two players that don't have flyers and so
1: how often are you like also like you're like gosh I, okay I'm like at 15 solid creatures I just want a couple more and if you see a flyer come around it's almost like a yep thank goodness like having flying on there in general just because you know there are spirits tokens, yeah. spirit tokens there's so much other stuff around that can like even just one flyer damage. will often just stop somebody who has three or four flyers from coming at you because they
3: can easily go out one of the other two players right. and then we were doing what you want to do, which is like they just go at it and yeah. I just watch and then I just clean up when the dust settles, which is basically how you win multiplayer most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean it's you know, it's so easy once in the power of suggestion thing. it's Like, oh, I've got this flyer.
2: Attack the guy who has no flyers, maybe, you know? Yeah. It's exactly. also
3: from the sort of political standpoint, the fact that it has defender on it is actually in can be in your to your advantage because it's not like if you play a three four flyer, that's it. It's actually more threatening to somebody than your three four flyer with defender. So you're yeah. like it's just to defend it says it right on the card yeah. i mean you ignore that rest of that other
1: part where i can't like, even have it. the mana to make him into whatever yeah know? exactly right it's like oh i'm quote
2: unquote opting to play a four drop or another five card <laughs> drop on the next turn right i'm not attacking you with my guy look
1: at how nice i am eh? right yeah and then you're you know the mafia boss and hey yeah part. let me cut you a deal yeah yeah it's a solid pack though i i binders all the way of course no, all right. For me at least. Yeah, I think agree. I. So I think I first picked that more than any other card because wow. every time I see it come around, I'm like, well, I mean, usually I'm playing. Something I don't think that there's an uncommon or common in the
3: set you would pick over it. Is there a conspiracy or a like? I know Gavin. Spell, Gavin has this strategy of like take all the conspiracies basically all the time. Would you take any conspiracy over that stool binders, or is it powerful enough to? I could definitely see taking a
2: conspiracy over it. I think I wouldn't take like maybe one of the weaker hidden agendas maybe, but like a backup plans where you get the two opening hands is really strong. Um, You know, there might be a few I would consider. It's also, once again, the conspiracies always make your deck just because they're always going to do something. uh, Unless you're like whisper gear Sneak, which isn't really a conspiracy. Um, (laughs) And so you're guaranteed to play them and you're guaranteed to help your other cards out. And you're... I found in conspiracy the packs are powerful enough that you're basically always going to have enough cards you want to play. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I'd rather just take like the thing that's going to make my deck and be like a you know an extra it's card free. bonus free card. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so of course when you're up against Custody Soulbinders, which is a bomb
3: rare, it's hard to choose. That's what I mean. Is that on the level of I think for me like hmm, I don't think I would take. I mean, I would take World Knit just because I haven't played it yet. Like <laughs> I, would or I would take Lower Seeker. because I haven't just played it yet. But I don't know that, that I actually like if I was just, like let's say like I really had needed to win. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's also It's right on the on the line there. It's like with backup
2: plans, you know, it's going to work in every game you play, or with the soul binders, yeah, you, you might, might not just never it. draw it, right? right. So I, I might actually take like a backup plan. So I think once again, hidden agendas, I might not. But I know.
3: just haven't noticed backup plan to be as powerful as I thought it was going to be because well, a do slow you really start. See though, because sometimes they I've may had draw it a couple times. T- yeah, I've had it a couple times, and it's like I've actually I've actually sometimes just chosen the weaker hand. With more mana is what I want. I guess that is a choice you're making. But I've just noticed slow starts and conspiracy aren't punished yeah. that hard. So to me, like back a plan, it's good. Don't get me wrong. it's it's awesome, but you know, it I don't know. I don't know how often I've been like, man, I lost this game because of a slow start or, a, or yeah, and you don't really want a fast start in general. Like you don't want to just curve out and cause then everyone's just gonna kill you. So what kind of start are you looking for that's so? important that you would pass up like a bomb rare like that well i think
2: it's really interesting um backup plans gets better the more conspiracies you draft which might be why i like it so Mm -hmm. much because if you have a deck full of like hidden agendas then you want to find the cards that get pumped up right 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 Mm -hmm. so like for example say you have i don't know like two courier hawks or something that are huge with all your hidden agendas Mm -hmm. you want to make sure you find one in your opening hands you can play that crazy threat out early Mm -hmm. so backup plans really compounds all your other conspiracy makes them even better yeah that's interesting so if you're drafting a lot of conspiracies as i do i basically like i almost never pass a conspiracy unless it's for like something i really need for my deck um then it, yeah it works out better back backup plan is the only one you have i mean it's still strong but maybe a bomber would be better in your deck mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. yeah that's what i love about conspiracy there's so many different ways you can draft it yeah, yeah so many course. different
1: ways and every time is a fresh experience so make sure you guys crack a fresh pack of Magic the Gathering. TM. <laughs> TM. <laughs> ding. I didn't oh, need the ding. Plays. I was gonna say the ding oh, too. I don't nice. know why. Um, uh, yeah so,
3: so being on the d- on the team for uh, for this set, like can you tell us a little bit about like do any of those cards like spark any memories from you as far as from the design perspective? Um, I don't remember which ones are reprints and which aren't, but uh, I know Whisper Gear Sneak is definitely not yeah, a reprint. That's definitely a new one. <laughs> um, well I guess I have a, a couple stories I can tell about cards in this booster pack. Um,
2: I'll talk with us about the soul binders first because uh-huh. that yeah. was the card we wanted to take. Um, we originally only had. I think we only had one of these cards like there's one of the five i don't remember which one well, It wasn't a cycle originally. but it wasn't a cycle mm-hmm. and they were just playing so well and so much fun and it was cool this was like an environment where we, where we could put them right they're like fit here better than in commander i think right uh-huh. and so we just expanded it out to five and they all played pretty well I, I think actually like the original ones didn't have the second ability that removed counters they only had like the first thing
3: they're so just, they were just like a huge. big creature depending on right. what other circumstance was
2: yeah but we wanted to make them a little more special be a little cooler you know mm-hmm. um and so we tweaked that a little bit I remember so cards that were in the file from the very beginning, as far as I can think, were um, Grudge Keeper. Uh, mm-hmm. What's what's the voting guy? Oh, Brago's, representative. Brago's representative. Grudge Keeper and Brago's representative were in there from the very beginning. And I remember when you show somebody the set for the first time, they would
3: read those and they'd just stop. They'd be like, "Wait,
2: you get an extra vote? What does that even
3: mean?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so the idea of having cards that that call votes among the players was in there early on. Then, if those cards were in. Yeah, I
2: mean, Sean Mayne in design had a bunch of different ideas he was playing around with, but voting was
3: one that he always liked, and I think Mm -hmm. was there. It's a great mechanic, and it's one of those mechanics where when you see it, you're like, "Yeah, why hasn't this been here?" But I guess you know, if you're not developing for multiplayer, then it's not right in one-on-one
2: games. It's not quite
1: as exciting. Yeah, Yeah, not quite (laughs) as exciting. Except
3: for what's the one they're using legacy to get rid of? uh, True name numbers. Except for that one, yeah, Council Judgment, because
1: you can just sway the vote your way. You
3: just get to kill something, and it's not targeted. So, Um, I remember Whisper Gear Sneak was actually.
2: One of the more controversial ones we made. Really? really which, w- which might surprise you, but this isn't really talked about much. But something that we really tried to do with a lot of the conspiracies was to make sure that they never affected the nature of draft, like the asynchronous nature. So it was never better to like cr- open one now and play it at right. another time. Uh huh. Um, because, like, for example, I think an obvious one people would want to make is like reverse the draft, right? right? Right. The problem is it really matters when you take that. Like, if someone passes their pack, they just get it right back. Yeah. It right. sort of causes a huge headache. Right. And so, with Whisper Gear Sneak, there's definitely some discussion about like, well, you're opening a pack, so like. Does this really affect the right. sort of the flow and stuff? Right. I um, Same thing with the Lore Seeker, the one that adds an extra booster pack to the yeah, draft, yeah. where it's like, okay, well, the right time to take it is after. If you open it in your opening pack and you want to take it, the quote-unquote right time to take it is after everyone else has already made their pick, so you don't know what you're adding to the right, draft. Right.
3: But we eventually decided at some level, level that was okay, and we just had to kind of taper it, it off. This um, actually happened to us uh, when we were in waiting in line. We'll get to that story about the line waiting. But um, I actually made my pick, passed my pack, and then Kessler took the Aether Searcher. And I was like, crap, because I had passed him like a perfect card for the Aether Searcher. In fact, it was the red version, it was Ignition Team, the red version mm-hmm. of Stody's Soulbinders, because I wasn't in red. But if he'd taken the Aether Searcher before I passed my pack, I might have just taken it. So, because there was nothing else in that pack that would have matched up well with the Aether Searcher. And so, you know, I was like, it's exactly what you're talking about. But you know what? That was the fun of the draft. It was like, oh, and, and for my spiky nature, I was like, oh, remember this in the future to, if you can, wait until they've made their pick before you pass your pack. Yeah. You know, that's just a thing you just learn about Conspiracy and you can min-max it just like anything else, right?
2: Well, yeah, the good news is Conspiracy is usually just like a casual fun format. Right. So yeah. I think if it were like being played at the Pro Tour or something like that. It'd be if a there's a like lot prizes different. on
3: the line, then it's like totally different. Yeah, yeah. right. And then it, it does get kind of unfortunate because everyone's just staring at each other like waiting to pass the pack. <laughs> yeah, and everyone yeah, knows like, what's going they'd on. They probably have to put it on a clock or something. Like, I don't even know what they do. Uh, it's like, uh, it remember, did any of you guys ever draft Innistrad Block? Yeah, I we did. did. So Innistrad
2: Block had these double-faced cards in them, and the draft rule was you could see what everyone else's was at the table, Right, and there would would occasionally be these weird situations where, like, say, I open Bloodline Keeper, which is a black bomb rare, Mm -hmm. and Josh, who's to my right, opens Bloodline Keeper, which is a black bomb rare, and he just... You know, And like we're looking at our packs, and I just slam mine before he slams his. I'm like, look, I'm taking this. You can take yours if you want, but I'm going to be in black because I'm going to play this card. Oh, right, And they can a,
1: clearly see it.
2: yeah. Right, and there's this really awkward thing that happens there. And some players like that. Some players disliked
3: it, but it was definitely a strange element to draft. We try not to put in too often. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think it's fine because you can build, build strategies around that just like anything else. It's just like, well, some people just don't like anything yeah, that's And different. you're looking for hints
1: anyway and things that push you.
3: I think difference is good. Variety is good. Like having to change that kind of thought process. Uh, you know, again, not every time, but sometimes, yeah, that's Keeps good. you on
1: your toes. Yeah. <laughs> Magic's
3: an always-changing game, and we try and make sure that uh, every set is something new and exciting to offer. Yeah. So we should tell the story, since we alluded to it, about um, oh, our yes. fun experience here at Comic-Con. Because uh, if you don't know, there's a, a special promo pack mm-hmm. that um, Wizards releases at Comic-Con. They've done it for... Two years now. This is two the years. Year. This is the second year. Yeah. And what they are is it's every Planeswalker from the current core set, so M15... And it is these awesome, like, black foil... Alternate art. Alternate art Jay versions. Lee. And they have, like, little splashes of the color, like, uh, Jace has a little, like, blue fire coming from his hand or something. Yeah. And, and, and they just look sick. And the problem is they're, like, super limited. Yep. And and you have to wait in line to get them. You have them. to wait
1: in line to get them. And, and hey, you can't forget, you're also getting a giant Nerf Garrick battle axe. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the huge nerf battle axe. How action. could you? It's it's the majority of the packaging. <laughs>
2: Which is actually totally sweet. It yeah, is it is. It I, I got a hold of it. It's like, huge, too. It's huge.
1: It, yeah. it is like a primo toy. If I was yeah. a kid and I had this, I would I would have gone nuts. But I'm an adult <laughs> and I have it and I'm still pretty excited. You're still a kid, actually. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, anyway, so um,
3: we get to... To the convention center at about 1 a.m. Yep. to wait in line for these things, which are basically being released the next morning. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna—we already
1: know we're gonna wait through the entire night. And by the way, there's already what 5,000 people in line ahead of us. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of people in line. There ahead was a lot, and, and one too. It's like we weren't even waiting for Hall H or like one of those big like convention halls. We were just trying to buy stuff. Yeah, I don't know if all those 5,000 or whatever—that's just a number I made
3: up—people uh, in line were waiting for specifically the the same Most line we were we but everything seemed like they wanted to buy something there was from hasbro there was or the
1: magic line which is like it made sense it was a sweet sweet item so jimmy and i being the crazy hardcore uh <laughs> well just
3: the crazy people that we are we had uh, like we had uh been in communication beforehand like gathering all these supplies so we show up and we have a table we've got chairs we're like well if we're gonna be here all night let's just draft the whole time just draft yeah so we're the only people in the line gavin's there Yeah, and I was uh, impressed by their dedication. (laughs) I've done a lot of line
2: waiting in in the past two years at Comic-Con, but I've never seen a full-on table with chairs around it. And it felt like we were the sultans of the line. (laughs) We just sat on our lofty thrones drafting booster packs. And I'm sure many humans around uh, around us were just like, what are they doing? And why are they making so much noise? Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, because of course you're drafting. So you're like, oh, 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 God, I want this, but do I want that? You know, yeah. we're just being loud. Then who came over? There was a couple guys like that were ex pro tour guys, and, and they're judges now. Or two of my friends uh, came over who I knew from pro tour uh-huh. days, and they were like, you guys drafted Magic?
2: Let's play. <laughs> yeah, which is great. It's cool that Magic lets you do that, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were our line. And they buddies just sat the down. and were like, night. yeah. And they were, our li- yeah, they were our line buddies the whole night. I remember last year, I stood in the line that lasted all night too. And it wasn't even a magic line or anything, but I just wandered the line and found some people playing Commander. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. And I just sat down and they're like, here's the deck, let's play. And we had a blast. And in fact, we stayed in touch. And when I came back to... Did Coma- they know
3: who you were when you sat down?
2: Um, they did not know who I was when I sat down. <laughs> but, but they should sure did when I awesome. stood up. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> did, did their eyes light up like, holy crap, this guy makes the game? Well, when this is like a very guilty pleasure of mine. <laughs> but something I always enjoy is like, I don't like to boast about like what I do right, right, or mm-hmm. anything like that. So I'm happy just to just go into a situation and be like, oh, we're all magic players, let's play. Because I want to see how they're gonna treat me just as like you right, know, a regular a player regular person. Yeah. So but there's always this moment which I do get a little bit of glee out of when like they're like, Oh, what do you doing? We're like halfway through a game of magic. I'm like, Oh, I, I make magic cards and they're just like look at you, they look at each other, <laughs> they're like back at you <laughs> um, like, he's, he's kidding, right? He, you what?
1: Yeah,
3: that's a good moment. That's a good moment. Yesterday I was talking it's like so, that card you're playing? I made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or
2: I'll slip that in sometimes too though. Um I was at I don't get to play in tournaments very often because mm-hmm. I can't working for Wizards, but there was mm-hmm. a charity tournament a few weeks ago that I was allowed to play in because it was unsanctioned. And I'm playing against this guy who just has no idea that I make magic, and he beats me with opposite at Ghost Council in the first game. Nice. And afterwards, I'm shuffling up for game two, and I'm like, man, I'm losing to a card that you made has this like, <laughs> like, <awkward> little, <laughs> little twist to
3: it. Come on, you can be like, sort of proud at the same time. Yeah, right. You can't get yeah, too angry yeah, about that. that. That's we like uh, the, the other night we played, and then we switched decks just for fun, and I was like, either way I win here, because yeah. if you beat me with my
1: deck, I feel good, and if I beat you with your deck, then at least I won. Yeah, exactly. I'm always a fan of setting up those all-win scenarios. So. Yeah, all-win scenarios, not a bad because you're mostly losing in Magic, or at least when I play, I'm, I'm mostly losing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Jimmy. <laughs> we don't, yeah, yeah. You know, an
3: underrated part of that night in line is we're, we, we dropped a Conspiracy, or, or no, this is before. We're playing uh, Commander before we draft Conspiracy, and... Uh, and Jimmy and I are on one side of the table. And on the other side of the table, Matt Arnold, who works at Rocket Jump, he's one of the creators of VGHS. I look him in the eye, and he looks at me and just shakes his head and looks at the round the table. And I notice, like, he's playing with you, Gavin. He's playing with Kessler, who plays at, like, GPs and has, yeah. you know, gotten top beats or whatever he's done. And then one of those, your friends that, you know, from the pro tour. So he's like, how did I get stuck in this, like, rogues gallery of uh of <laughs> yeah. pro players Matt and who like only spikes started playing four yeah was Matt, like, he's lose. like i'm gonna get killed why am i sitting over here yeah <laughs> i did in fact kill him <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do that's how you learn
2: right yep i think I, I believe my uh my play that game was turn one sol ring turn two flexing metamorph Sol ring oh, oh yeah, it's yeah. ramp 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 that's okay. Yeah.
1: it's all right it's it's pretty all right um, so let's, let's actually get to talking about, uh, all the amazing announcements that you guys made this year. Dun, dun, dun. dun yeah. It was, it was an awesome panel. Uh, people were there. We got there at like 10 AM and oh. you could tell that everyone around us wasn't there for anything else. They were just waiting for the wizards panel to start. So I'm happy oh, for, there was a lot of cheering, a lot of like yeah, people were really excited. Great. It was pretty awesome. And one of the big things was from the vault annihilation and you, you are the, one of the developers on 20, correct? Yeah, so I'm the designer of designer, From the Vault. Right.
2: So starting with From the Vault twenty, I took it over and uh, I made From the Vault
1: twenty and From the Vault
3: Annihilation and a
1: few uh, things you guys haven't seen yet. Oh yes, yeah. so, some some sweet code name things in the future.
3: Actually, this entire From the Vault is very commander because I mean yeah, I don't have statistics on hand, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and say like in EDH more uh, board sweepers are played than probably in any other format. Like it's just yeah. very it's a staple of the format. Like just because you're playing against four other people or three other people, like you're just always like. I just want to kill everything. Yeah, okay. it, it, Yeah, I'm behind. I'm behind. Let's just kill everything. Let's just kill everything. So, you know, this is going to be something I think that every EDH player is going to want to at least take a look at.
1: Yeah, and I don't think Red has many board wipes either. Yeah, it
2: has a lot of, um, you know, it's got some crazy ones like Apocalypse, which blows everything up, right? You know, mm-hmm, annihilation right. um, but it doesn't have a ton. Rolling Earthquake is really interesting, too, and in that normally Red can't kill flyers very well right, with right. sweepers, like mm-hmm. Earthquake, for example, um, and this one does i mean in front of the vault i always try and put in cards that are highly sought after or like mm-hmm, hard to mm-hmm. acquire and, and there's no real reason why this card should be as hard to get as it is except for the fact it was in Portal 3 Kingdoms which was yeah. a really limited, which is hard limited to set to get yeah. yeah in general and so it's a great way to get more of those out there and to get a unique card in people's hands. I mean, at one point, I even saw Legacy play and just, mm-hmm. you just couldn't find them because they were mm-hmm. so, so hard to get a hold of. And now this looks to get more out there. You can put it in Commander. You can try it out in Legacy. You know, play it in your yeah. casual decks, whatever you want to yeah, do. Yeah, it's
3: really great because it's hard, so hard to get a hold of. And it'll be totally useful, especially to mono red players who oh, right are yeah, definitely like going in my mono red. Yeah, deck. exactly. Yeah, so for sure. thank you, Gavin. Just watch out for those creatures with horsemanship, man. They're going to get uh, you. yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> are going to get you. <laughs> Maybe it'll change the EDH meta where everybody. Will... No, that won't. Yeah, happen. everyone's finding uh, all What the else we got? We had Wrath of God, classic. Cataclysm
1: Um, was in there Living Death as well Uh,
3: And then, uh, oh, one of my personal favorites And everybody loves this card, Um, Armageddon
1: Yeah,
2: Armageddon is a great way
3: to make friends for (laughs) never Um, That was sarcasm for the sarcastically impaired Yeah,
2: yeah, it's Few things are more brutal than just like Creature, 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 blow up all your lands Everything, yeah Just you work so hard for it And this is the kind of thing we just never do these days Uh Uh-huh but back in the early days of Magic, we did some crazy stuff. It's an iconic sweeper, and, you know, I really felt like if you're going to have a box of sweepers,
3: wrath and Armageddon, a- and Armageddon yeah. Yeah, They're the original the two. gruesome twosome. Back when I started playing, which was basically at the start, like, yeah, Armageddon, it was not a big deal. Like, people just did it all the time, so you didn't, like, now it's like you play in Armageddon, and the whole table will, like, slowly turn towards you and glare at you, yeah. and then go up and then, and then go like, I'll Let's try kill and him. kill you. Yeah. I
1: can't. I don't have any lands. <laughs> I can't cast stuff. <laughs> Next game, though. It's so
2: funny that back in the day there was this deck called Ernimgeddon. I don't know uh-huh. if you guys are familiar with this. It was a deck that used Armageddon with this ernim Jin guy who was mm-hmm. like a 4-5 creature that gave your opponent's creature's forest walk. And everyone, for the longest time, was like, oh, man, Ernimgen is so powerful. Like, it was using this crazy deck back in the day. And then we reprinted it, and it did absolutely nothing. And people were like, oh, yeah, I guess guess it was the destroying all the lands part It was mostly Armageddon (laughs) that was powerful, yeah. And uh, Wrath of God, if you haven't seen the From the Vault version, we uh, showed it off a couple months ago. But it's got totally awesome new artwork. Yeah, all the art is amazing in this. The thing I love about Wrath of God is it is... It shows a literal god from Theros, Heliod, blowing stuff up. It yeah, is literally yeah. the wrath of a god, which I thought was for really awesome. Yeah,
1: Heliod's a bad dude. His uh, I, I like how the story's gone for the Theros block, and Heliod is not everyone's favorite guy. So it's I mean, it's apt that he's blowing it all up. Poor Elspeth. Poor Elspeth. She'll she'll rise again, potentially. Who knows? Something I always try
2: and do in front of the vault is make sure that all the colors are represented. Right. I never want to, you know, be like, okay, here's. This box, which is only good if you play one color. Like even if I were to do something where it was like really focused on a theme, I would try and get cards from all kinds of different colors to Mm -hmm. represent it, you Mm -hmm. know. So there might be exceptions to that in the future,
1: but I definitely try and represent as much as possible. Um, I mean, I think this is an auto buy for me just because it's I, a staple I, for anybody who plays EDH. Yeah, I it, think it, like you're going to be able to use all these cards. cards. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I think it's awesome for commander and also if you're a cube player too. There's so oh, many yeah. great cards in there. Yeah. Like rolling earthquake is a card once again, that's really hard to get, but it's an awesome cube card. Like yep. it's an earthquake and it kills off flyers and it just gives you some more variety to play with. Yeah. But it's just so hard to get, and now you can finally have the chance to put one in your cube and make it all foil
1: and new yeah, card. Plus frame yeah, but it's going to be shiny. You can't you can't deny the all foil and the new uh the new card. Format and the border and everything, yeah, that was pretty exciting. I, I do like what what's been done with the border. I think it makes the card pop. I like how you have a lot more room on the bottom for you know artist name and number and all that stuff. So it, I, for me, it's I'm a big fan.
2: There's a brief moment where all the cards just look like Planeswalkers to me, with oh, the new card, right. card frame. But it's now I'm just so used to it. Like, I mean, I haven't actually been playing with the new card frame much longer than you guys have because oh, true, we cause... don't we don't play with when we play with like playtest cards we don't mm-hmm. have the frame on them. But the transition was so fast; it took like a day or two and then very quickly i was just used to it now it's actually kind of off putting when i combine cards of the two yeah. different borders just cuz i want all my cards to look like the new frame it looks so good yeah. the new
3: frame to me looks like like when plasma tvs first came out and they're just like sleek and they're just like sharp and they're just yeah, like glossy and more. they just pop good and like looks, then when you look like in an old tube tv you're like how do we think that looked good for so long
1: yeah right yeah so yeah, I really like. Well, it was the only thing we had. We didn't know what we had until we got something better. Exactly. Right, in, that?
2: in twenty years, when we're all having like TV beamed into our heads, we will be like, How did we ever, <laughs> ever watch television? Yeah. yeah, what?
1: And also, like, why did we ever drive our own cars? That's that's gonna be a legitimate question. In, right, in but we'll still be years. playing magic. Yeah, hope, that's right. I, I, mean, I hope so. That's I, my goal. I hope to. I seriously do hope to open a box of conspiracy when I'm like fifty years old and be like, guys, let's do it. And people will be like, Oh my gosh, this. We got to slow down on drafting it then, because I'm running out of boxes of it. means you just got to buy more.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Josh, why don't you go buy more booster packs?
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on. There are a couple of other fun announcements. The Dual Decks Anthology, I think, is great. That's a great way, again, to get cards that are just not around anymore because if it was a print run in the past... Um, The Divine versus Demonic deck I know for sure has a couple of uh, staples in there for a lot of VDH decks as well So I'm really excited about that, which is sweet.
2: Yeah, I mean the original dual decks are a ton of fun to play If you guys out there have never Mm -hmm. had a chance to play them And I'm really happy we get to release them again because they you know They're just hard to find they were made several years ago And Mm -hmm. now you can finally get your hands on some and and play them and plus I Always enjoy combining the dual decks in strange ways. I love seeing like Jace versus Garrick or whatever. Yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah when I go spell sling at like tournaments like pre-releases or whatever i'll often bring a box just has all the dual decks and i'll be like if you don't have a deck to play that's great just pick one i'll pick one we'll play yeah that's i cool. think
1: it's i think it's honestly one of the best ways to teach someone how to play the game because it's it, it had two decks that are meant to face off against each other and even if they're not meant to you can use two different ones but it's like they've got all the core elements of how to play and it's very thematic it's very flavorful for mm-hmm. like elves versus goblins it's just that's great you never see that matchup really anywhere else
2: yeah, I mean, they're a little complex for some players, but once you have, like, the very basic grasp of magic, it's an awesome play to dive right in. It's like, okay, I right. learn about all these cool mechanics, you all yeah. these cool rares, yeah. right, play some spicy cards.
1: Let's talk about something uh, past the dual decks that I think is very exciting, and it's Commander 2014. Oh, yes, very oh, yes. exciting. And the big... Super exciting, thing, actually. Yeah, you guys Holy haven't crap. heard, is a mono-colored Commander decks for 2014, and a Planeswalker can be your commander. We have Teferi Temporal Archmage... Uh, and he is awesome. I mean, this card looks great, and it says at the bottom, Teferi, Temporal Archmage, can be your commander. Words you have never seen, ever. I mean, the door the that this opens is like, it, it opens into like the end of
3: Raiders of the Lost Ark when they're pushing the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> into that huge <laughs> warehouse. Like, that's the door that it opened. Hold on, I want to read him just in case you have oh, yes. people out there haven't heard. Uh, Teferi, Temporal Archmage, he costs t- four and two blue, so six total. He's a planeswalker. His plus one ability is look at the top two cards of your library, put one of them into your hand and the other on the bottom of your library. Uh, His negative one ability is untap up to four target permanents. Permanents. Not just yours. Um, And his negative ten, his ultimate, is you get an emblem with you may activate loyalty abilities of planeswalkers you control on any player's turn anytime you could cast an instant. And he starts with five loyalty, I should say. So you'd have to plus one in five times to uh, fire off his ultimate. Yeah, which is this is kind of in a theme we've been seeing lately uh, with things that affect the loyalty, uh, right? Either or like counters or usage. And chain bale and a Johnny. The new Johnny does that. Uh, so it looks like. I mean, I don't want you to have to give anything away, but it looks like we're sort of moving into the realm of, like, making your Planeswalkers sort of work more in concert together.
2: Super friends. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So, Planeswalkers, out of all the different card types, have some of the most limited design space. Right. Just Mm -hmm. because they're really hard to get right. Like, we spend more time developing Planeswalkers than basically any other card, and there's only so much you can do with them. Mm -hmm. So, we're always very careful to, like, kind of conserve it. And, you know, we haven't really done a lot with that in the past, so... You know, we've done a couple cards like that now, and maybe there will be some more in the future. So, um, and I think you know, it's a cool place to explore. Yeah, definitely. it does seem like
3: that. The ultimate, especially, is seems like a, a, the sort of thing that you can sort of break in something a format like EDH, where uh, you know, a yeah. lot of the earlier planeswalkers are not designed to have out. their stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 something that changes the basic design of all the planeswalkers that come before, where they weren't designed for that ability to be able to be used as instant an instant. Speed, yeah. And so, like, yeah, that's some place to start looking for ways to sort of break the or abuse as yeah. we like to do in EDH you know and that, if, you if you you're looking for manage infinite combos happen, and stuff like that yeah this, if you yeah. make
1: this happen I want to see a picture of the table because that's going to be ridiculous I mean I feel like the biggest target on your back is when you're like I'm at seven loyalty counters and everyone's like wait this wait no this can't happen this can't happen at all
3: yeah um, that's it's going to be hard to pull off anywhere just because it's 10 but you know yeah, It's commander. You're going to be able to make it happen sometimes.
2: Yeah, well, just like it, commander is full of crazy dreams and fantasies you get to kind of unleash, and what better place to doubling season to theory than here? You're probably not going to do it anywhere
1: else, you know? So, yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah, one of the few times. And they're boom, all colored decks, which I think is really exciting.
3: Yeah, so every commander deck is monocolored. Um, I have to ask, uh, can you tell us anything about the other generals, the other oh, decks, I, anything?
2: I, I wish I could. I really, oh, man. I really wish I could, but I will say that they're definitely exciting. And what we said yesterday is um, many of the legends in, in this um, in this commander set are throughout Magic's history, and there's some cool references in there. Uh-huh. So I think.
3: Uh, is this the only Planeswalker that can be a commander, or are we maybe going to get. Uh, it's a cycle of monoclonal Planeswalkers, so there'll be one for each deck. Ooh. So everyone is a Planeswalker as
2: commander. Every deck has has at least one Planeswalker that could be used so as. It's going to be sitting
3: in the front. I guess, is each one going to have, um, as they usually do, like a couple other legendary creatures that you could use as the front man for the deck? Or
2: Yeah, we always like to make sure that it includes some variety. And especially mm-hmm. with monocolor yeah. decks, it makes it a little easier because, you know, in the past, you have to make, if you want to, say, have a three-color deck, maybe mm-hmm. you need, like, multiple three-color legends to make it make mm-hmm. it work. There's also going to be a cycle of legendary creatures that have never really got a card before so for example we saw a Giza at the, oh, yeah. At the panel oh, um, yeah. and she's you know was awesome in Innistrad but never had the chance to get a card and she'll, she's finally being realized here and you'll get a couple other cool options so like every well. other
3: color has one legendary creature like legendary that creature,
2: yeah yeah,
1: absolutely and uh, you'll have to wait to see what they are but there are some cool ones in there
3: uh, We will wait with bated breath
1: yeah I'm, I'm excited for cool color Giza I can actually see Lots of decks that could just abuse the crap out of that. Oh, she's super great. powerful. I mean, in yeah, fact you can even sacrifice sick. a zombie if you need to to make two more zombies yeah. it just lets you split them over and over. So. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's. Far zombie broken. engine. Zombie coil engine. Thanks to. <laughs> zombie thanks coil to cool, engine. Cool color Giza. <laughs> you can sacrifice
2: defenders. This, this is great. Have a lot of power. So.
1: That's true. That's true.
2: Um, but there's a lot of cool stuff in it, and I'm excited about the monocolor theme. I mean, once we yeah. decided we were going to do commander every single year, we wanted to make sure that we could do it in different ways you know Mm -hmm. and so monocolor was something we knew we were going to get to eventually and and here we are i
3: i I was really excited to see that because uh, you know now i can mix and match a little bit too like it's harder to mix and match almost when you have like multicolor pre-made decks because a lot of cards are going to be gold and i can't take those from one to the other but now like any blue deck i can use all the cards if it just has some blue in it all these cards are up for grabs in that deck and so uh, i really like that i think it's a good idea well, and
2: sometimes it helps deck building just to narrow your possibilities, which I know sounds kind of lame, but especially yeah, if you're new at Commander, it's like, oh, oh yeah. man, I have to build a Commander deck. I'm like, three colors, how am I supposed to figure out what cards go in here? And if you're mono blue, it's like, okay, I can put all my cool blue cards in here, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I, as big Commander players, I'm sure you guys know the pain as much as anybody of having to cut cards from your Commander deck. You lay it at the table and look over like a Sergeant overlooking his Plans trying to figure out
1: like the one thing you can change. Yeah, I, I like the idea of mono mono decks just because it's like you actually don't see that very often when you play commander, right? You're always looking at two or three color commanders. Very rarely do you see a monocolor deck, and it, I think people sometimes view it as potentially just being too weak to other decks specifically. And I, I like this idea because it's, it's going to open the meta up a little more. It's going to push boundaries. It's going to make people actually you know play with monocolor decks and make it uh, be a force to be reckoned with. One of the goals we have for the show and i'm sure wizards has is like introducing new players
3: and getting more players into the space and to try out and and you you know commander can be an entry point for that and like monocolor is just a little bit easier to play because the interactions aren't going to be quite as complex yeah. and like you said like instead of having 100 percent of all magic cards uh available to you you've got 20 percent and that just makes it a lot easier to dive in and be playing faster and from there you can build out and make a Two color deck and three color deck, so it's a better entry point, I think, for new players, which yeah. is which is great because we just want more people to be playing the game and to learn to be learning like how awesome it is, and you know, so that Wizards can stay successful and vibrant, and they can keep making risky choices like making things like conspiracy, and 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 like that's good for every player. So you know, yeah. So this is a good way of like, hey, your friend, he's been watching you play. We all have that friend who sort of comes over, asks questions, looks over your shoulder, hasn't actually played. Monocolor commander deck is a great way to be like, hey, dude. This is your chance to sort of jump in on yeah. a more
1: simplified level, maybe, and, and you can and make start a, trying out the game. A really solid tribal deck <laughs> in, in the monocolored, like mono blue. Oh yeah, you goblins, you uh, goblins, elves, merfolk. Uh, merfolk. There's folk, just so many yeah. options. Yeah. yeah.
3: So there's just a lot of it, like the the space for you to have fun as a Johnny is is not a Johnny as a Johnny <laughs> is still huge. Like it's still like wide and varied, and it's not like it's cutting you off in any way. You know where. Different than two colors or three colors, like yeah. But but it can be more simplified for people that are new to the game. So no, I just think it's awesome. It's it's great. Uh, I hope next we're next year maybe we're gonna see four color commanders though.
1: Who knows? Who knows? Right? Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. You heard it here first. May not
3: right. (laughs) As Rosewater likes to say, "There's always a chance." <laughs> there's always a chance. <laughs> I just want—I
1: don't even want the information. I just want to plug it. I know you guys have heard it plenty. There's doesn't seem like there's too much more we can talk about Commander without without uh, going into these super spoiler reveal that we can't even get into. But I'm just—I'm really excited. I think Com- the Commander products Wizards has done a great job every year, just because it's like it feeds a growing market and it changes it up. Well, know? that's interesting,
3: Gavin. Can you talk a little bit about because in recent years we've really seen Wizards sort of like notice us as the multiplayer uh you know i feel like one of the reasons we started this show is because like 90 percent of all like coverage online or anywhere is by ex pros or pros about tournament style magic and which is great don't get me wrong but 90 percent of people play the game like we do which is like at their kitchen table at home and yeah. you know i feel like wizards has sort of taken notice of that whole large aspect more in the in the design realm as far as like pushing s- multiplayer stuff more can you talk about that a little bit
2: Yeah, I mean, we definitely saw Commander Boom. I -hmm. mean, and people love it.
3: There's for a long time in
2: Magic, multiplayer meant so many different things. It could Mm -hmm. mean like bring out your 60 card singleton deck. Mm -hmm. I mean, like your 100 card singleton deck. It could be you know an eight player Emperor game or something crazy like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And something awesome that Commander has done is really give a unified language to multiplayer. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of other ways to play, of course. I think Conspiracy is a great example of that. But the fact that the majority of multiplayer big deck Magic right now is being played as Commander. Let's just hone in and make cards that are good for that. Like, we yeah. can make a commander product, we can make sure we're putting stuff in there that's going to be good for most multiplayer play groups. Um, and I'm really excited we have that opportunity and that it's been received so well by players that we can do that every single year and create yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Because right, you you release like a commander official product. It hasn't been officially endorsed by Wizards yet. Let's say we're, we're back a couple of years. It's like you. There is a chance that the community would just reject it i I'd be like, no, 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 this is all wrong. This is, you know, like this. Well, I don't like this or this or this. But I feel like they've done such a smooth job and great job transitioning into it that it's it's become like a widely just like sweet, awesome. More stuff coming out supporting this, and you know, if, for anyone wanting to jump in, I think that's the most important point. It's like, because it's cool. Like all these people with tons of cards in their library. Are like I'm just going to make a sweet commander deck because I have one of of all these awesome cards. Someone that doesn't have a point to jump in, commander decks are an excellent place to start for anyone.
3: Yeah, and you're going to be playing with a group of friends, and we've talked about before. Commander EDH is a great uh, format in that, like the best cards don't always win. So, like you can grab one of these things off the shelf, and oftentimes we've seen them win games with like guys that have like alpha and beta cards, because all you got to do is like convince everybody else to attack that guy, and then you don't have to worry about him so much. Like there's because of the political aspect of the game, like your your individual card quality as far as like how bomb rare each one is or what set they come from is not quite as important which i think appeals to a lot of people who yeah you know we don't have every card that's ever come out like that's just most people just don't
2: multiplayer is a great self-policing format right if you're the guy who's blowing everyone's stuff up people are going to try and kill you and if you're the dude who bought a commander deck and is maybe new to it and you know maybe your deck isn't quite as crazy as some other people's maybe they'll leave you alive for a little bit longer right right? exactly they probably will they'll probably probably...
1: there's no reason to like you know like you're not a threat and I'm you're, I'm making an ally. If you don't attack you, you can be on my side when it comes down to it. And by the way, like, if you bring your friend in to play Commander
3: for the first time, like, let him have a good experience the first few times. You want yeah. him to keep playing, right? Don't just Armageddon them, like, the very first <laughs> game. Like, maybe, maybe, because it's like you can shear a sheep many times, but you can skin him
1: only once. Ah. Yeah. yeah. So are Matt we collecting Damon the fur of our friends? Am I going to make, like, a sweet sweater off of the, the sheared sheep wool? <laughs> Yeah, one of those sweet Christmas sweaters. Stay warm at your commander's So I guess what
2: I just learned is when you buy your Front of the Vault Annihilation,
3: shear the
1: Armageddon. I'm not sure what the story (laughs) is there. Just hide it. Be like, yeah, it only came with 14 cards this time. I don't know what happened. Just wait
3: to (laughs) unleash it on your friends who are just looting
1: commander until like their fourth
3: or fifth game. That's all. And then just destroy their lands every every single game. Every game, yeah. just, Just because. Just for fun. You know, do you play EDH? Yeah, yeah. I definitely play commander i have a few
2: different decks and one that i favor so
3: what's your favorite deck and who's the commander
2: uh, i play probably most of my mariki Rabarit deck which is a white blue black and esper deck uh-huh. um and it just contains a lot of my favorite cards from throughout magic something i love about commander is that you get to show off all the cards you love and that you've collected over the years right mm-hmm. and so i can put some really cool cards in there you know, like my foil taxless cryptic commands you know Ooh, like nice. you know yeah, yeah, my, yeah. all kinds of promos and my dual lands and whatever and i get to just play with my favorite cards and really when i go to play commander what i'm looking to
1: is to have fun and for me what's fun is playing with some of my favorite cards in magic right absolutely and you're opened up to the whole world of actually what is your favorite card do you have do you have some
2: my favorite card ever in the history of the magic kind um my favorite card and one i will usually give as an answer is revelark if you guys are familiar yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um I love it because it's good in so many different ways. Like you can do a lot of stuff with it, and it's so open-ended. Like every time we right. make new magic cards, there are maybe new creatures you can bring back with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And I played it a ton. Um, I mean, I have a soft spot for a lot of other really spiky cards, but Revlark is the one that just like kind of hits cool the, card. the Johnny yeah, spike gets- and even some Timmy in there too. Um, I mean spell setter Sprite will always have a special place in my heart It qualified <laughs> me for like four Pro Tours In four different formats Wow, wow. so yeah,
1: That's that definitely good. has a special place uh, got, then That got, card did
2: work Yeah, I've got oh my, uh, gosh. my lucky play set of four spell setter Sprites in four <laughs> different decks but nice. it worked. Nice. How about
1: you, Jimmy? What's your favorite card in Magic History? I've never asked you this It's true, uh, I it was probably one of the first cards I ever played And it was Lightning Bolt yeah, because I I, I had that red. and like a fireball and like incinerate in my first ever magic deck when I was in third grade. You were Jimmy the Red from the I was. I it was, it was so much fun because I was like, "Ha ha, I kill you!" That was like I was super Timmying out back then in the day because I was like I didn't have, you know, the, to, back then it was like a nightmare it was like the hot card. You know, everyone had to have a nightmare <laughs> and a Sarah Angel broken. Yeah, super broken. That Shivan Dragon, man, that thing was powerful. Broken, it's a dragon. Uh, yeah, I think I think Lightning Bolt just for its sheer efficiency and it. it you can use it in any format, at any time, and it does work. It'll always do work for you. i got to go with Counterspell. Counterspell? Yeah.
2: Safe bet. I man. answers, <laughs> answers, safe answers safe anything.
1: Bet. Anytime you got a Counterspell in your hand, you're like,
3: I'm going to use this. And it's going to be awesome. I don't know when, but it's going to be awesome. Yeah.
2: I will say one of my favorite cards to cast in all of Magic is definitely Mana Tithe, which is a one-mana Force Spike in white from Planar yep. Chaos. And I enjoy it so much because they never see it coming. They never see it coming. Yeah. yeah. And you only have to teach them that lesson once. It's like, you know, uh, give a man, you know, cast a man of Tithe once, Once. keep a man happy, or keep a man sad for a game, show a man of Tithe, encounter is like bomb, he'll be play around for the rest of his life, that kind of thing. (laughs) I don't
1: know. That's true. You only, yeah, I feel like that happens in Commander too. It's like if you're playing a certain deck against someone, you only have to do one thing once, and then they just, you're like, oh god, this is gonna... Oh, they give
3: you credit for having it in your hand like all the time
1: after yeah. that, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: And in Cube, I'm
2: just constantly terrified. Like oh, I know yeah. I have to play into it because they're not going to have it most of the time. But the five percent they like manatize the your worst spell. Ever. It's like where did that even come from? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a draft. Um, so Brian Wong, who's on limited resources, mm-hmm, right. is right, longtime friend of mine. We've played Magic for ever. We're playing a Cube draft, and we're doing a team Cube drafts. So normally, uh, we do like three on three teams, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and, um. Brian asked John Laux, his teammate. And they were talking, and uh, John's playing this match. And John's like, Brian, does does he have Force Spike in his deck? And, and Brian's like, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. And then the guy just manatides him. Oh. Brian's like, oh, right, he had manatide. He
0: was technically right. Brian right. yeah, yeah, was technically yeah, yeah, right. He, he did that. not
2: have Force Spike. And technically correct <laughs> is the most important kind of correct. Yeah, so. exactly.
1: Uh, yeah, card, like, cards that come out of nowhere, it's like... Commander's great until you see someone that's holding up two blue mana. Then Commander becomes fast turn.
2: <laughs> well, it's tricky because someone's got to break that counter spell. Yeah, but no one wants to be the first person to have their spell countered. You know? Yeah,
1: exactly.
3: It's better to just be the person with the counterspell.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: and the worst part is is having to bait the counterspell sometimes with just a less powerful card, but then that doesn't get countered. It's like, oh, I didn't want to play that this turn. I, I tried, guys. I tried. <laughs> In
2: Commander, I find that a lot of the time I bait counterspells with my commander just because it'll always go back into exile. Yeah. You know? right. So right. it's like, okay, I didn't actually spend a card on doing anything. Yeah. And a lot of times I don't even counter it because it's not going to get them ahead that far. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Sure, yeah, that's actually
1: a good call. Like here comes my big scary commander, everybody! Oh, great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> here comes the card you've know you know I've you know had since we started the game. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty
3: much. It sucks countering a commander, yeah, because you're you're basically one for nothing yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: so. it, at least it's not getting hindered, Again, <laughs> tucked away. And right. Sometimes you just have to do it. I mean, if
3: Prosh is going to come out and literally is on the table and literally just kill everybody, then you just have to do it. Yeah, you got to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, commander. A, a game of many stories, I think, is how I describe it. Do you have a favorite commander story, Gavin? Before we go, <laughs> we have
3: got. Um, I don't. This is a kind of silly story, but
2: <laughs> so uh, every now and then I'll get flown somewhere to go spell slinging, uh-huh. and I'll bring my commander deck because obviously people want to play commander, and we usually end up playing one on one commander, which is just because you know there's one of them and one of me, so it's a good number. Yeah, and I swim my Mariki Barrett deck, and I play Mariki Barrett on my third turn. And he has, has like, this, this insane start. He's playing, like, an artifact deck. And he played uh, Master Transmuter, which allows him to return an artifact to his hand put into play. And he, like, triumphantly is like, Blightsteel Colossus, your turn. I'm like, all right, steal it, kill you. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: didn't think of that. Um, and he was like, oh. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that's interesting. He's like, that... I should have seen that I feel <laughs> literally
3: the worst thing to play against that deck. Yeah, it's, they could just steal your stuff. It's funny because like he did it, and I was like, oh, no. Is it like Lightning Greaves?
1: What's yeah, happening gonna, now? Jump, Mike's right.
2: dead. And then he just passed the turn, and I was like, oh. Is, is this right. going to happen? Oh,
1: <laughs> is this real life? You That's know? pretty funny. What's yours is now mine. Yeah, I think the, the sudden turnarounds of Commander are definitely some of my favorites. At least someone being so dominant, everyone being like, crap, we're going to lose again. And then someone else just busting out out of nowhere, just ruining their well-laid plans because they didn't see it coming. Always a good time. Sweet revenge or
2: vengeance, and, retribution. I think that commander is, I mean, you'll usually play a lot of games with the same play group.
1: So yeah. sometimes you can be pretty spiteful from you oh, week yeah. to week. Oh, yeah. Um. So let's talk. Uh, the, the big announcement, obviously, of the panel was all the concept arc here stuff. And I think the, the biggest one that I'm, I'm sure you're very excited about uh, is the wedges. And the fact that you can actually refer to them by name now.
2: Oh, I'm so excited. It has been so hard to not call them by their names. And Um, just the colors. And I'm just, I have been terrified for like a year. That I was gonna like put in an article somewhere or something. So every article I would like, you know, look through and make sure I didn't do it. Right. And it's great to finally have things to call these because we've had the shards,
1: you know, for years now. Right. Right. And if you don't know what the shards are, uh, you may have heard their names before like Bant, Esper, Grixis. There are three combinations of colors that came out in Shards of Alara, and uh, they're the allied colors. It's just like two color uh, guilds from Ravnica,
3: Zoria, Mm -hmm. Celestia have a name. So every color. combination has a name if it's in two colors until now we haven't had for all the three color pairings um do we have them all now oh uh, we have them all now yeah so the no. way the way to kind of think about it is we refer to them as
2: kind of shards or wedges so if you look at the back of a magic card this is an easy way to do it huh. you can just look at the three colors next to each other are all allied colors allied color. so they're all a shard so if like i just pick white for whatever reason uh i'm like okay white and green and blue that's a shard so that's a mm-hmm. band what we're doing in cons of Tarkir is looking at the wedges, which are the clans, uh, which contain an enemy color. So you pick two colors that are, ne- are next to each other, like say green and white, and then you pick their naturally enemy, or their- you pick their natural enemy, which is black. Mm-hmm. So like green, white, and black is Obzon. So um, oh, and it looks like a wedge because it's a triangle across the uh, the the five. Exactly, <laughs> that's how they got their names. In fact, I predict that by the time concept of Tarkir block is over, they will not be called wedges anymore. We'll just call them clans. Kind of like how shards were actually originally called arcs, but now they're oh, never call them that anymore. Right, because, right, right. And kind of
3: like guilds are called guilds. And Yeah, right. yeah. So um, just to go through the wedges, uh, there's Obzon, there's Jeskai, there's Soltai, there's Mardu, and there's... How do you pronounce that Temur? Temur, yeah. timur Like a femur, but with a T. <laughs>
1: And by now... There's you, can tell, you can share that with the whole company. Uh, I, 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 you're patenting that? It. That's
2: actually the tagline for
1: uh, the set. I don't know if you're familiar. Like femur vote the team. Yeah, if you played teamer at the pre-release, that's what it says on the pre-release box. <laughs> yeah, just get around and chant, uh, we want teamers,
2: not femers.
3: <laughs> so first question I have about this, uh, Wedge is super exciting. This is going to be awesome. How did you guys go about coming up with the names for each? I know people are, like, thinking, like, oh, it's going to be hard. I've seen a lot of tweets already. I was like, how are we going to, like, remember these names? I'll say like, hey, remember them. You'll remember them by just playing it. <laughs> well, it's just amazing. Like we didn't, over, like, a like, month or two. It didn't take very long to start calling it Grixis or mm-hmm. Azorius or whatever you're calling it. So, I don't, this is gonna, not going to be any different. But as far as, like, from the from conception, like, naming each thing, like, how does the names come about?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I talked about design and development earlier, mm-hmm. and also inside R&D, we have another process, which is called the creative team, mm-hmm. and those are the guys who put flavor text on cards, make all the awesome artwork, give them cool names, and one of their jobs every set is to do a bunch of world building and figure out mm-hmm. what the names of everything is, mm-hmm. and I know for the clans, they spent a ton of time getting these names right, because they're going to stick as part of magic forever. Forever. Yeah, right? exactly. That This is what we're going to call this three-color combination forever. And I remember, I mean, there are all kinds of other names that were looked at, and every like month it seemed like maybe like
3: one letter would change and they would try out something new. But eventually they settled on ones that, that they really liked a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know,
3: do they worry about more about how it sounds when you say it or more about how it looks when you read it? Because those are two very different things. I think they're really looking for the whole package because uh, magic yeah. is expressed in so many ways, right? You're gonna
2: type it a lot and you're gonna read it a lot, but you're mm-hmm. also gonna say it a lot. And mm-hmm. you right. don't wanna give you a word. That is just impossible to say.
1: I also like the names too because it's like it's very important to be able to look at a name and pronounce it, quote unquote, correctly, or at least be able to read it just off the page. So like all Mm -hmm. these names, like Abzan, Abzan, Jeskai, like there are not too many like weird alternate pronunciations. And I remember like the first time I saw Phyrexian, and I had no idea what that word was. Like this doesn't make any sense. But then I looked at it for a few more seconds. Like oh, Phyrexian. Okay, Okay, yeah. This now this word has entered my lexicon of words from magic and it just mm-hmm. becomes a part of the universe, which is great. So I have, I have no doubts that this is all going to sort of settle into my mind in a bit.
2: Do you guys find, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it going be a fun one.
1: Uh, do you guys find that you use magic lingo in your everyday life? Oh yeah. I, I've told Josh that you can never sack out like your friends when you're <laughs> playing with them. You can't just like be like, ah, screw you. I'm not going to play. Like you can't, you have to be like really careful of that. I've told Josh when I'm really tired, I'm all tapped out. Yeah, <laughs> the oh, tapped yeah. out thing. I've actually accidentally said that among people who didn't like play magic and
3: you're like, oh man, I'm tapped out. And you're just like, I'm done. I'm, yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, Because <laughs> they're like, what? Yeah, it slips in and like, you just don't even think about it after a while. You right. just yeah. say things to your friends.
2: And then the weird thought of the thing is when it goes to the next step, and you've sat around your friends for so long that, that they don't play magic but start using your terminology. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Zach Hill, who used to work in magic R&D, told me a story once about he was on uh, his school's mock trial club. And he like was very high up in it. They were a great team. But Zach loves Magic Lingo. If you've never met him, mm-hmm. he spouts it off like nothing else, and, and no matter what context he's in. And eventually, like, it just perpetuated through the team and then other people in the school because he just kept saying oh, "Wow, um, <laughs> What so, an
3: influence. That's amazing. So. That's like years later, they say it somewhere, and somebody who plays Magic is like, you play Magic? They're like, no, what's that? Well, what's yeah. that, yeah.
2: But yeah, you know, I'll, like if I lose much of time,
1: I'll be like, I got time walked, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. That's I, I, lo- I love
2: Magic Lingo. It makes me, makes me happy.
1: I think it's also great to just like sometimes I'll we'll see something in real life that is an equivalent of a magic card and I'll just like say a word to Craig and he'll just crack up because it's like it's just like that that small little hidden joke that no one else knows that you're referring to. It's like, oh it's yeah, it's always just a lot of fun. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's like when you see a real word out in the world that's like a popular magic card. Yeah. Like
1: whenever I see something that's described as like tooth and nail, I'm just like, ah, 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 ah. like <laughs> tooth and nail. Um, I'm just but, like, hmm, two card combos that go infinite tooth and nail. <laughs> that's right. all I think about. I am I am excited though because the wedges give me names to for some of my favorite commanders. Like Animar I know is now a teamer, which is great.
3: Right. Yeah, because before it was just like you'd have to list the colors, mm-hmm. which is kind of a pain in the butt. So now you can just yeah. It's a lot faster. It's shorthand.
1: It makes me wonder, and Alex was wondering this too, if there was any like real world affiliation with some of these names. Like Sultai is like, I, I see the word Sultan, even though I'm sure it has nothing to do with it. But like the colors, like you are saying, Egypt with Bug, you know, he's trying to figure out if there's some kind of connection there. Like some. Could do of
3: look like they have some real flavorful flavorful influences. world influences. yeah. Is that another part of the design process? So?
2: Well, yeah, the creative team definitely always looks at all the stuff in the world when they're mm-hmm. trying to. I mean, they want everything to be cohesive and sound as good as possible. So if you look at like. Theros. Mm. I mean, this is a very stark example, but like everything kind of feels like you're in Greek mythology, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so when we were designing Khans of Tarkir and they figured out what the world was going to be like, they made sure to give the clan's names to represent that. Mm-hmm. So you'll
1: see more of that when the set comes out, but uh, yeah. but there's a
2: methodology behind everything that, that, that Creative does. They're,
1: they're smart people. Right. I think this entire set and this entire, all the wedges and all the different colors and just how flavorful it is, I think it's going to be a lot of fun for Commander too. Like in Theros, I think the gods all were awesome cards to put in your commander decks because monocolored or not, they all had so much flavor and they could really help specific archetype decks like really work, like Xenagos and, and Aggro and stuff. It's So I'm excited because I think the wedges and the legendary leaders of each house all have the potential to be commanders.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you guys got a little bit of a taste of that, right? With yeah. With the Yeah, Zergo Helm
3: yeah. Who's definitely, a, yep, he can be a commander. In fact, I'm already thinking of ways to
1: build, make a commander deck around him. Yeah. I think this is pretty assumed that, you know, we're going to have a lot of great commander cards in here and and they will be great for the set and they're not going to be great just for one thing or the other. I think finding the replayability of a lot of these sort of the cons of each of the clans like uh like Sid Sidisi, is that right? Yeah, Sidisi. Sidisi. I, I think it's going to
3: be a lot of fun. Yeah, let me ask you, um, because if you've had a chance obviously to, to play around with the set and everything. What's your favorite uh, wedge? Uh, I would say the clan I affiliate with is Obzon,
2: um, which is actually not natural. If you know anything about like my play history, yeah, mm-hmm. they're the slow controller one, right? Yeah, the white, survival, black, survival.
3: I think Mark Rosar said, yeah,
2: black, green, white. It's um, it's not for any really natural reason. The reason is just that when I was playing internally, I kept playing Obzon decks, and I kept like you know being the voice for the Obzon tribe. because mm-hmm. oh I, right, you know, getting your sticker on the, the the. We'll talk about the experience you're designing in a bit, but. Uh, yeah, so I, I was you know kind of the voice for the Obz'on, and eventually, actually in the office, some people called me Captain Obz'on. Captain um, Obz'on, you're that well Ooh. known for. I mean, in R and D, not in other yeah, places. Yeah. But someday, uh, if you get well, well, now in other places you have, now yeah. wherever you go, Adam Prozac
3: gave me that name. So
1: nice. that should be your um,
3: costume for Comic Con next year, Captain,
2: <laughs> Captain Obz'on.
1: <laughs> Obzon. <laughs> I'm
3: imagining it now. <laughs> you have a big shield with a uh, whatever there. Yeah, but
1: I'm assuming you've drafted this many times now. Uh, I've definitely played a lot of cons. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, it,
3: and it's exciting. I mean, I can't say anything about it, but it'll be a fun format. Jimmy, what do you think Your you know,
1: just based on blind speculation, what do you think your favorite wedge is going to be? Um, I would say Jeskai uh, because they seem the most Asian to me and I'm not, you know, anything but super Asian and I love martial arts and all that. Uh, but t- teamur, I think, is actually one of my favorites. Uh, I don't know if, you know, it's going to take me to actually seeing all the cards, but right now, based on what I like to do in Commander, I think Teamur is, is... I'm surprised because Mardu's the base, the one that's centered in red and you're Jimmy the Red. I am Jimmy the Red, but aggro scares me, man. It scares me. Because it's like if it doesn't happen, then you really lose. You lose hard. But that happens with control too. If it doesn't I know, happen then. But then control at least you get are guaranteed at least more than six turns. Aggro's mm-hmm. like, uh oh, spaghettios. <laughs> I think Soul
3: Ties is gonna be my favorite.
1: So tie, yeah. Yeah. I just uh, they do what it takes to
3: win. And they have the uh, I think Mark Rosewater said that uh, their mechanic had something to do with managing resources. So I yeah. don't know. I just like the sound of that. Yeah, I mean, every
2: clan has their own mechanics, so, I mean, really, like, identifying with one now is awesome. It's like, yeah, I want to be this, I want to be
1: that, but once you see the mechanics matter. especially, it'll yeah. be like,
2: okay, this is the kind of thing I like doing, you know? Yeah,
1: well, I'll say this, this is going to be one of the most fun pre-releases I think I'm ever going to go to. Well, oh, I'm definitely going to draft Mardu, because I just want, I just, it's so fun to just kill people on turn five or yeah. six if you can, yeah. I know that Craig's favorite is Abzen because of his commander, Karador. And he uh, he goes to town with that guy, and I will say this much: if Absent is as close to as powerful as that is in Commander, then hopefully, I mean, I, I can't wait to see what happens. Just I love, I mean, I, no, I I, I've just been format. killed by that deck too many times. So yeah, I we've all like been it, killed yeah. by it too many times. Um, so another big thing about the pre-release: what was the design choice to? I mean, obviously, you heard player feedback, and everyone. I mean, it's it's sort of a recurring trend, but there's going to be forty pre-release cards, eight for each color.
3: Yeah, this is really one of your areas
1: of expertise, right? Because you're
3: in charge of. Um... How do we the order? experience, yeah, the game and experience, yeah, design, the yeah,
2: experience design, yeah. So we've definitely been listening to a lot of player feedback, especially um, you know with the box model going all the way through Theros, mm. and I think the boxes do a lot of great things, and that helps new players build decks, helps you build what you want to. But one part that wasn't really satisfying us was the fact that everyone got the same pre-release Rare because you'd play against the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. Right. And also, you know, it just meant there's less variety in games. Like, even if you had the Rare, maybe you just kept playing it and winning, and that's not quite as satisfying. Right. Um, I saw a
1: lot of Resolute Archangels uh, from M15. Right. That's for sure.
2: And so this time around, we're doing something a little different. Uh, Inside... You'll choose a box based on your clan, mm-hmm. so you can be, you know, Mardu or Teamur or, you know, whatever you feel like. You're going to be on. Ob- 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 for me, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and you pick your clan, and inside is a seed booster with one of eight different pre-release rares. So Ooh. you're very unlikely to play against the same pre-release rare twice in the same pre-release. Right. And you're even really unlikely to play against someone else who has the same rare that you do, because you have yeah. to play against your own clan and them have the same box that
1: you did, so do you really think that, had a lot of variety. Do you think that pre-release rare will push your deck building from that sealed pool into a different direction based on that? Well, definitely. So, I mean, the seed packs inside the
2: the boxes correspond to your clans to push you into building a clan deck, mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you choose teamer, it's pretty lame if the right thing to do is not build a teamer deck. And we saw this right. sometimes happen in Theros, which was really unfortunate, where like, you pick the red box, but your red card just were not good enough to make it happen. Yeah. And with clans, finally, you know, you're going to be, be three colors. You're going to want to build these three-color decks. And we're going to make sure that you have the tools to do that.
3: Awesome. I think it's a really cool idea, too, because, you know, uh, I don't know if a lot of people do this, but we definitely go to more than one pre-release. And it feels like, you know, even if you like one color, it's like I kind of have to go with another one because I already had that pre-release promo. And, you know, right, you know, right. this way you could play the same play clan the same a couple of times time, and yeah. you're going to get a different. I mean, you got a one in eight chance again in the same one. So you gotta, you're not that's not going to happen very often. So yeah. you can try the same clan again. Um yeah, I think it's really smart.
1: It's it's great that you guys are listening to, you know... To- I think it's also going to affect the meta a lot. You know, now that you're like, okay, I'm not just playing against one color. I have to worry about three different guaranteed things that, you know, the more you play, you'll, you'll know more about it. But it's like, I think it's really going to affect how you play each game, which is cool. And deck building, we talked about this a little bit earlier with Commander. I mean, deck building a three-color deck is
2: always really tricky. You have to mm-hmm. get your mana right. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that, you know, you you have the right cards in your deck. And the Seed Pack just aims to help do that. So even a brand new player can get a deck together that's pretty competitive yeah true yeah.
3: three color can be pretty daunting especially if you're new um but we're assuming there's going to be a lot of good
1: fixing yeah. and whatnot and you guys test. Well, the you crap guys just need a fixing seed pack in there also though, <laughs> yeah gonna... right just one seed pack of just like special lands um i mean you guys test the crap out of this right you you play so much of it just to make sure that everything works yeah we definitely play test a
2: lot and try and get this as close as possible and i think with cons we ended up in a really good spot so yeah,
1: super I, exciting. I'm excited also because I am part Mongolian. I don't know if you guys know this. So having the of Tarkir it feels flavorful to my life. I'm i think like one that.
3: in two hundred people on the planet is uh, related to Genghis Khan. Yeah, can trace their uh, their lineage back to Genghis
1: Khan. He was a uh, he's a popular guy. I'll just say that. <laughs> That's much. one way to put it, right? He he proliferated. His influence has been felt around the world. Yeah um, didn't uh, didn't
2: Starfleet take him down though? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it took a long time for that menace they to had to take him out. down twice actually. yeah exactly uh, that's really funny um, <laughs> let's talk about the game experience of the pre-release because that's something that, that you were, were focused in and I think this is great I, I loved the giant Garrick um, it was funny seeing the pictures that would pop up around him. He sort of created his own viral se- like sort of sensation around him because mm-hmm. people could do funny things with it. And it was something that you guys didn't have to push for at all. It was something that was the player created player driven, you know, posing with the ax or just like putting a t-shirt on and putting a silly hat on him. <laughs> Which I think it was great. And it's like, it's cool. It's a very iconic set piece when you walk into any, uh, your local game store too. So kudos on that. Thanks. Um, I mean, it's been awesome to see the evolution of the
3: pre-release and, uh, Than that type of event from just even a few years ago and how it's really like you guys have really like started to focus on it a lot and it's really improved drastically over just the last couple of pre-releases even like you can really see like big steps being made you know and 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 i guess that's probably how long have you been part of that team i'm not trying to like pat you on the back but like you guys have done an awesome job of like really changing what the pre-release was even just a couple years ago
2: Mm -hmm. so i started working on branded play stuff experience design stuff really um, kind of mid-theris block mm-hmm. and I started working with Dave Guskin was mm-hmm. an awesome awesome designer um, really really smart and so we worked uh, some on some of the theris block stuff and then we my first big task was with M15, mm-hmm. kind of uh, creating some of the experiences there. So I made the. Oh, cool. Uh, like inside your pre lease box, you got the Garrick the Slayer card that you could play against. And that oh, yeah, was, which was
3: really cool. Yeah. And yeah. that
2: was uh, me and Ethan Fleischer designed that, and then Adam Prozac developed By the way, it. that Garrick was hard to beat.
3: Yeah. That was a true
2: challenge. Yeah. I, really I had like a
3: pretty that. good sealed pool in the first one. I couldn't beat that.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting that it's really good against some decks and not as good as against other decks. Mm-hmm. So you can play it with a wide variety of decks and have a different experience. And, you know, it's not the kind of thing that'll necessarily last 10, 20 games, but for, you know, the. Yeah. Handful you're playing at the prelate. That's right. it's a, uh, a good. It was time. a great
3: way to kill time if you just happen yeah, to be in a fast time. match. And there's a lot, of, you know. And it's cool. somebody's still on game one. You're done. So it's like something to do. Yeah, it's great.
2: So um, so yeah, then I worked on a bunch of the stuff for Cons of Tarkir Block, and Dave Guskin has actually since left the company. So mm-hmm. um, I was kind of leading the charge on a bunch of stuff we did in Cons, and Dave's had his handiwork in uh, some of the Cons of Tarkir stuff, but I definitely
1: put my my thoughts in there too. So That's awesome. Great. Well, I'm really excited. If you guys don't know, you're getting uh, pins and stickers, essentially, that you get to put on the banner of your store to show what of the uh, wedges has been the triumphant one. right? Or, you you, know, you who's keep, being represented the most. You keep your pin for
2: yourself, right. which is awesome. You get to wear that around. And then, you, yeah, you get a sticker that you get to put up on a banner. And we're going to send the stores actually one banner for each clan. They can hang in their store and rep- proudly represent
3: um, you know, the five clans of
1: Tarkir. Can, yeah. Plus, do you think-
3: from a spiky perspective, you can sort of see what clans everybody's
1: right, playing, and it, then you, you can
3: choose, you know, the clan that you think maybe counters that clan a little bit more. Yeah.
2: If you want to go that deep at a pre-release, knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> I do,
1: Gavin. Do you I think, do. Uh, we may do stuff like this just for you, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from an R&D standpoint, do you think any of the wedges are going to be slightly more popular, or are people are going to go for those ones a little more, just because of traditional color choices that they like?
2: Well, I do think it'll be pretty even, especially once people start seeing the cards and the mechanics. Right. Um... I will say that just even talking to people here at the con, like, for some reason, Just Guy is the one most people will immediately affiliate themselves right, with. Right, right. But, you know, that's without seeing any of the cards or mechanics or yeah, anything yeah. like I, that. I so. think
3: especially at a place like Comic-Con where there's, like, super yeah. hardcore gamers, people that are playing playing Magic for, like, you know, 20 years or whatever, like me, like, we just naturally associate ourselves with Blue. Yeah. Uh, just because Blue for early Magic was so powerful, so dominant, you know, it just sort of carries through. I think anybody I talked to that played Magic in the early years, like, blue's by far their favorite color. I mean, that's been sorted out since, and blue's not the most powerful color, but if you just look at that early stuff, like, I mean, yeah. did anybody not play blue back in, like, Alpha, Beta, Raven Knight's days? Like, you had to have blue in there. You, weren't, you just weren't right. going to win.
2: Healing Solve, Gain three Life, Ancestral Recall, Draw Three Cards. Yeah. <laughs> Take your pick. Take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, also, the, like, the art for some of the just Guy stuff is sweet. Um, oh, one of my yeah. favorite... Yeah pieces we showed at the panel yesterday. Was the piece of that monk taking down that orc where it's like in mid-motion? Oh yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that is just a masterful, masterful yeah. piece of artwork. I Not to one.
1: mention the one piece of artwork where someone was punching the heck out of a bear. Oh yeah, dude, that one is sick. Yeah. Who,
3: who's what's the name of that uh, that guy that's punching
1: the bear? The uh Dragon Claw. that's Surak, it.
3: You
2: yeah. said that one, yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, he's got it. That... It's like that slow mo, like get punched in the face, yeah. and. Well, I love I love art like that too because it's it's and of course flavorful, but it's also just fun and good art that is simultaneously entertaining and yeah. funny you know, yeah, not to a degrading point, but it's like it knows what it is, it knows exactly what it's doing, and it elicited the exact reaction I thought it would, which was just cheers and people loving the heck out of it.
2: We definitely like to make sure that every set has a little bit of everything, right? So if you look yeah. at our art and flavor text, you'll sometimes have really serious ones and sometimes ones that are, are a little more goofy. Yeah, and like, I'm really glad we could put cards like that in the set. Oh,
1: I guess last thing about cons is that Morph is returning as a. Yeah. Uh, so we had Convoke in M15, which I think was great. That, that really affected how I drafted um, every single, every time I saw a card with convoke, I was like, okay, so this is actually very differently costed than I, I'm imagining, which is cool. Morph, I feel like has that sort of same effect on limited it just because it, it's, it opens up a whole new world of things that can happen.
3: Morph is a really cool mechanic to, uh, and, and good in EDH in that, like, because uh, you know, all of warfare is based on deception, right? So just yeah. the <laughs> fact that you've put something out on the board and nobody knows exactly what it is, mm-hmm. like that's, but it's still sort of a threat. Like, in EDH, you can do stuff like somebody's about to do something to you. you got a morph card on the table, and you're like, just tap it a couple of times. Yeah. You sure you want to do stuff? This could be anything.
2: Well, and the great thing about morphing something like Commander, too, is you have the benefit of every morph card we've ever made
1: you could be tricking yeah. opponents yep. with, right? yep. Yep. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. They don't know what the heck it is. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I'm excited for some hopefully powerful morph cards in cons, at least, that can affect Limited a lot. because. It's great. It's almost like you're playing with an extra card, right? Something that they know you have and they know does a certain thing, but they just have no idea what it is. There's nothing quite like the terror of
2: a face-down card. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's probably nothing. It could be something. Yeah. It's nothing. Oh, but what if I die? You know? It's like, oh, or they attack you with a face-down card. Yep. And you're like, should
3: I block? Yep. Should yep. I not block? not block? It's the worst, because I can't attack you with a card in my hand. And a morph card is the closest thing to a card that's in my hand. Yeah. You know, you don't know what those are either. But there's something just way more terrifying when it's tapped and coming at you right. on the battlefield. Yeah. And it's just like, if I don't block, am I just dead? But if I do, am I just not? Am I going to trade stupid? So Am I? Yeah, yeah. Am
1: I just blown out? Like, ugh, it's the worst. Yeah. It's going to be so awesome. Well, it's like how Brian talks about It's like when you're on the beatdown and the other person doesn't realize it, you can just get, I mean, it could just be, that's the best thing is like free swings. Oh, it's yeah. a free two points of damage because they're so scared. Otherwise, it's like, that's, that's amazing. Where your ability to, to essentially scare them has turned them to inaction. It really brings out bluffing. I mean, bluffing is a huge thing with morph cards, so yeah, pretty great. So it'll be exciting. Pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. Um,
3: speaking of good times, Gavin, just wanted to say, thanks for uh, oh, yeah. coming and chatting with us today. Um, where can we find you on the worldwide interwebs? Everywhere,
2: uh, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Gavin Verhey, just first name last name, super easy. No one else has my name as far as I'm concerned. So, nice. and it if they do, mean. they're not. They certainly don't show up higher than me in Google searches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you have a blog, correct? I have. Yeah, you can find me on
1: Tumblr, Gavin Insight. Very clever name because I, it's a pun. I do like it. I saw it yesterday when they were listing all the uh, people at the, the panels, like Gavin Insight. It's brilliant. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I'd seen that
3: before, but I never put it together until somebody actually said it out loud. I know I'm dense, but I was like, Oh, that oh
2: yeah.
1: Exactly.
3: Having a name that ends in IN is awesome. You can do like Gav
2: Insight, Gav Intelligence, Gav Inquiry, Ooh, nice. like yeah, all yeah. kinds of stuff. I'm working on um getting together a YouTube channel right now, and I'm trying to figure out like what kind of name I want to use for that? Yeah, Vabs Incredible.
3: Yeah, incredible. They're done, of, sold. No, just yeah, that That's, That's it. I got it for you. It's uh, free. do You there. don't have
2: to pay me. It's cool. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, guys know any, <laughs> do you guys know anything about YouTube? I'm not sure if you guys are yeah. blessed to be talking to you I about know. this. Yeah.
1: Well, when it comes out, we'll definitely make sure to blast out all your stuff because all your content's great. Your articles are wonderful reads every time I, I uh, peruse them.
2: Oh right, yeah, definitely. If you um. I want to check out my articles. I have an article on Tuesday on Daily MTG <clears throat> that's called "Reconstructed," where I rebuild decks and talk about like the basics of deck building. So if you're just getting into Magic, if you maybe you're kind of like I don't know how to build a deck well, there's a lot of great stuff on there. And if you're especially really new to Magic, I would recommend go back just Google it. It should be one of the first things that come uh, comes up. Search how to build a Magic deck. There's an article I wrote that I really takes you through the basics of deck building and. Cool. Every time a new player gets into the game, I always tell them go check that article out because it really is a good resource, and I got a ton of good feedback on it. Yeah,
3: and if you don't know, Daily MTG is on the Wizards website, what they right. call the Mothership, and if you just go under Magic, you'll see Daily MtG is one of the tabs. And uh, yeah, you can look at all your archived stuff if you just click on Gavin's name. So definitely check that stuff out. Uh, yeah, he's a smart dude, and he knows a little bit about the game. I've yeah. been writing a little bit.
2: I've been writing Magic articles for uh, f- nine years now. So, I mean, on different websites, not all on DailyMTG, yeah. but yeah, you can just go to DailyMTG.com or go to, you know, Wizards and navigate to the Magic area, and yeah, you'll find it. But also, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, you can find me in places, I'm pretty easy to find.
1: So. Awesome. Well, Gavin, thanks so much. So glad yeah, I really it appreciate it, it. Oh, it was
2: totally my pleasure, guys. This was a great, great show. It was fun doing work
1: with you, and uh, maybe in the future we'll be back on again. Yeah, maybe we'll play a match, too, and we'll see. Oh, how we yeah, guys. we
2: could have, like, record a match live and uh, <laughs> yeah. have Josh do dramatic commentary from yeah. the
1: sidelines. <laughs> I'll, I'll side in my steel Colossus. You can steal it and kill him with it. It'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how we... <laughs> We hire a whole film crew but we only have 20 minutes to film it. So we're like... (laughs) All
3: right, guys. Turn fives. We got to win. Right.
2: Let's make it fast.
3: Oh, I also want to mention Gavin had a sweet Jace cosplay outfit that he was in. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I'm only saying it right now so that I have an excuse to put it up on the video as I'm talking about it right now. So if you're looking at it, cool if you're only listening to us you gonna have to go find the picture on the show notes or something yeah. yeah
2: I'm a big cosplayer and I love representing my game so being able to yeah. be Jace is exciting I mean plus he's like one of my favorite planeswalkers which he is, is
1: pretty sweet
2: I mean it's maybe stereotypical to say but I love Jace so
1: you know what I think I love Jace too let's let's look, group hug guys for group, Jace. Hug. <laughs> group hug for Jace <laughs> All right, we can't that, peace, no. but we're doing the most awkward group hug ever. Yeah, yeah. we're like our hands are kind
2: of touching, but yeah. not really touching. We're like all too afraid to touch each other because our kinetic energy will like <laughs> short
1: the computer. Yeah, also, exactly. I'm kind of sweaty because it's hot. Yeah, in here. it is hot in here. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you check out the podcast and uh, subscribe to our RSS feed. All that good stuff. We'll be back next week talking about more Magic the Gathering command zone stuff. Exciting. I'm Jimmy Wong. I'm Justin Quai. And I am Gavin Berhe. Peace out. Peace.
0: Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JFWong and at Josh Lee See you later, alligators. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs)